Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Good afternoon to you and yours, and welcome, welcome, welcome to a Tuesday, November 29th, 2022 edition of the Jordy Holtberg Show. We've got World Cup action coming on as we speak. It's at the half uh, between the USA and Iran. We've got to talk about the SEC championship game. We've got all kinds of things in store for you for the next two hours as my main man james mesh back in the master control suite in the game studios he's spinning the tunes pushing all the right buttons he's on the campus of delta media which houses klwb which is 1037 lafayette we're also on in lake charles 1041 fm we're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com, and we are simulcast on your television set in the Acadiana area on uh, Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, uh, in a win or else situation the united states men's national soccer team uh facing elimination today against iran they must win or they're done and right now they are leading at the break one zip christian pulisic uh had a goal scored i boy ran right into the goalkeeper as well got knocked down and knocked out a little, little bit the USA had another goal, but it was wiped off by, I mean, a centimeter of being offside. Uh, so right now at the break, it's the United States one, Iran zero. Interesting side note here, uh, getting the start on the back line as a defender, number 20, Cameron Carter Vickers. Emphasis on Carter. He is the son of a former teammate of mine, uh, Howard Carter, who played basketball for us. He was on the Final Four team in 1981. Terrific, terrific player. Uh, Cameron Carter Vickers uh, getting the start and doing a great job so far in the first half. So we're pulling for him. I sent a message to Howard. Good luck to his son. He said, yeah, he's got a man up today. And so far, he is doing just that. So... That's pretty darn good. Uh, it's a small, small world. It really is. Uh, LSU getting their preparations ready to try and do what no one is giving them a chance to do, and that is to upset the Georgia Bulldogs Saturday in the SEC championship game in Atlanta. Georgia's anywhere from a 17 to a 17.5-point favorite. Brian Kelly yesterday in his Monday presser, had these opening remarks on Georgia and heading to the SEC title game. Georgia's, again, proven themselves to be the best team, and we're excited about that challenge. Uh, we know it's going to be a, a tough challenge, but we're, we're certainly uh, up for um, this chance to, um, 
to win the SEC. Uh, that's what you play it for, and uh, I know our guys are excited about it. Um, again, it's a, an outstanding football team. You know, there's there's so many superlatives, you know, whether you go on offense and, and talk about Stetson Bennett or you go defensively and you talk about, you know, some of the biggest defensive linemen and most active linebackers with Johnson and, and certainly uh, inside with um, Carter and Beal. This is just a well-coached. Okay, that stopped rather abruptly. Uh, just a well-coached team. Okay, guys, very good. Um, the key to the game, obviously, is the health and the prosperity of Jaden Daniels, who suffered that ankle sprain. It wasn't a high ankle sprain. Everybody thinks he's going to be okay. He was in a boot yesterday. Here is Brian Kelly on Jaden Daniels. Yeah, so he's been evaluated. He's in a walking boot. Uh you know, we'll keep him in that boot today, and then tomorrow he'll go in for his exam. And really, this is about, you know, strength. Um, you know, he'll go on the Alter G today, so he'll run uh, with no, obviously, uh, force and keep him conditioned even through today, which is a weight training and film study day. And then uh, tomorrow he'll go through a manual exam where uh, effectively he's got to be able to get up on his toes. You know, if he's able to do that, um, then we're ready. Okay, another clip that was cut off abruptly, but uh, the, uh, the end should have said something like then we'll be ready to go. So he's got to get up on his toes. We will see and find out uh, later on this week. Uh, that adds a whole new dimension to the ball game, uh, but we will have much, much more on that during the show today. Last night, the Pelicans beat the Oklahoma City Thunder, 105-101. No uh, Brandon Ingram, uh, but just about everybody else got into the action. Zion Williamson led the way in 35 minutes. He had 23 points, eight rebounds and a season high, eight assists. Trey Murphy the third, taking Ingram's spot, had 20 points and six rebounds. Uh, Herb Jones with 12, Jose Alvarado in in the place of C.J. McCollum had 15. So the Pels, without two of their three mainstays, still figured out a way to win the ball game. And if you look at the current, and I know it's early, right? Uh, it's it's very, very, very early in the NBA season. But when you think about where the Pelicans were a year ago at this time. Compared to where they are now, it is light years. Right now, the Pels are 12-8 and eight overall. Uh, they are currently third in the Western Conference. Third. Um, two games behind Phoenix, one game behind Denver, tied with the Memphis Grizzlies, but they have the tiebreaker to, to date. So Pels are scoring 117 points a game, giving up 111. They've won seven of their last 10. They've taken care of business at home. They've beaten the teams that they're supposed to beat. And that is always a very, very good sign. It was great to see the Los Angeles Lakers blow a 17-point fourth quarter lead. Uh, and they are now um, the third worst team in the West at 7-12 and 12 after they had won five of their last six um, they're still only seven and 12. So hopefully that will, uh, remain, uh, that way. We'll find out the college football playoff poll tonight. Uh, early projections have, um, 
bowl game situation scenarios where it would be currently Georgia as the number one seed versus USC as the number four seed, Michigan the number two seed versus TCU the number three seed. As far as our local interest is concerned, um, many projections have Tulane, who are playing for the AAC championship against Central Florida, Gus Malzahn and his crew, Tulane going to the Cotton Bowl to play Penn State, one of those um, major bowls. LSU is projected to play January 2nd in the Citrus. How many of you, seriously, raise your hand and tell me how much interest you have in LSU versus Purdue? How boring would that be? Uh, As far as the Rage and Cages are concerned, guess where they have them going yet again and that would be back to New Orleans for the for that bowl game, as uh, that's been kind of their home away from home. The New Orleans Bowl on December 21st, they have the Cajuns playing the Hilltoppers from Western Kentucky. Time will tell. We'll all find out after this weekend. Everything will, all the dust will settle. All the bowl bids will go out, and we'll know. But it, we know for sure LSU's going bowling. The Raging Cajuns are going bowling. Tulane's going bowling. Not too shabby. And Tulane right now, the highest-ranked team in the state of Louisiana by winning uh, with a chance to win their, win their conference. LSU certainly has a chance to, to move up the rankings if they can do what they need to do Saturday uh, to figure out a way to beat Georgia. It, it's, not, it's, it's not fool's gold. It's, it's not that uh, drastic of a, of a plan. LSU's got to win the battle up front. When you look at Georgia all year long, the teams that gave them the most trouble were teams that kind of battled up front. Missouri gave them the most difficult time of the year. Look, was that a game where you uh, Georgia was probably overlooking things? Sure, sure, but... Missouri went toe-to-toe with Georgia at the line of scrimmage. They lost 26-22. to LSU's going to have to run the football. Run the football. Josh Williams should be back, ready to go. Uh, we know Noah Kane can do some things. We've seen John Emery do some things. Can't You cannot turn the football over. Cannot turn the football over against Georgia. You can't. Offensive line has to play its best game of the season, but... You know what? Um, they've been pretty good. Campbell and Emory Jones now. It's their 13th game of the season of, in their careers. Dellinger and Charles Turner are the healthiest they've been in a while. Anthony Bradford settled in. So this is a cohesive unit. Um, and when they're right, they're pretty darn good. But we'll get into much more details about this. But LSU's going to have to play their best game. They've got to control the line of scrimmage. They've got to keep their offense on the field, methodically move the ball down the field, third down conversions, fourth down conversions, keep Georgia's offense on the sideline. And then um, LSU's defense is going to have to get creative. Um, Harold Perkins, say hello to Stetson Bennett, the four. Figure out a way to line him up, stand him up over center in the A gap, the B gap. Um, put him wide, just make sure he introduces himself to Stetson Bennett the four, plain and simple. So anyway, um, coming up on the program today, Matthew Bruni will join us. 
here in just a minute from on three Bengal Tiger on three.com. Uh, we'll talk more about the Tigers. Mr. College football, Tony Barnhart, will follow that and we'll get his perspective on the SEC championship game. Hugh Freeze going to to Auburn, who's keeping Cadillac Williams as an associate head coach. That's a no-brainer whatsoever. Um, and then in hour number two, we'll uh, we'll talk some hoops, and we'll talk Bob with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network, uh, the Black and Gold Report, and all things in the NFL. So that's what's on the docket today. Sit back and relax. We're here for the next two hours. One zip USA over Iran in a game that the U.S. has to win. It can't be. It can't be a tie. Can't be a loss. Has to be a win, or they fly home from Qatar or Qatar, as they say, uh, and their their dreams and wishes of a World Cup are over and done. All right, time out on the floor. We'll talk LSU Tiger football when we return to the Jordy Helpers show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, we are back 18 minutes after the hour on this Tuesday, November 29th, uh, a few days away from LSU meeting up with Georgia for the SEC championship game in college football. Who to thunk it? Uh, Matthew Bruni, Bengal Tiger on 3.com, kind enough to join us. Matthew, how, how was your Thanksgiving, buddy? It was good. Um, as I'm from uh, San Antonio, as I, I don't know if I've said that before to you, no. but yeah, I'm from San Antonio, so I drove back there and then. Uh, San Antonio to College Station's about three hours, so made the you know quick trip up there, and uh, okay. then then had to drive back on Sunday. So yeah, it was a so, nice so, little little trip. So you're you're a basketball guy too. So who was your favorite? Um, the big fundamental, Manu or Tony Parker? Ooh, man, that is that is tough. Um, it, it was probably always Manu, uh, just because okay. you know everybody that. I mean, San Antonio, if you were to play basketball in San Antonio, everybody's trying to play like Manu to a degree. Uh, but, yeah, I love all of them, obviously. All oh, have they a were great. special place. Yeah, great players, great team. Um, yeah, long way to get to that, uh, to get to that arena from uh, the riverfront. But, um, anyway, <laughs> um, all right. So, 17, 17 and a half point underdog. Um, that was an anomaly. That, that was a – a different LSU football team that showed up against uh, A&M. A&M with everything to play for. I thought LSU had everything to play for, but they kind of showed up literally, but they didn't show up physically, and they sure as heck didn't show up mentally for that one. Yeah, it's um, it, it's a really tough game to assess because on I, I think I kind of wrote about this after the game. I, I was obviously you know disappointed, and I think. I uh, felt for a lot of uh, LSU fans, you know, obviously they were annoyed, upset, all, all the emotions, and that you deserve to be, and it was a very disappointing result for LSU. Um, I don't know. I left after the game. I was just like, you think about all the road games that they've escaped, right? Auburn, uh, Arkansas, even to a degree the Florida game. Um, it kind of just felt like they were going to get caught at some point. You know, you're, it's like you're you're playing with fire too often, and this team – um, while I think they've been really, really impressive this year, they've exceeded expectations. They 
uh, have done a great job, obviously, getting to this point in the season. Um, they're not the most talented team, and if they come out flat, then they're going to struggle with teams, no matter how good or bad they are. And so, right. you know, not playing at home, uh, I think it's a different team on the road. And, uh, yeah, they just got caught against the uh, a team that we knew was talented in Texas A&M, but, you know, we didn't think they would put it on LSU the way they did. Excuse me. Um, all right, let's put that in the rearview mirror. Georgia waits. Um, this is the team that I, I keep saying it. Um, LSU had that unbelievable season in 2019, and they lost a whole lot of players, and everything just went downhill in a hurry. Georgia wins a national championship. They lose a lot of players but they're back in the hunt yet again. So that that's a great program that Kirby Smart has built, and you got to give your credit to them. They just keep reloading and play. They're the new Alabama. Yep, exactly. I was about to say, it has a very Alabama 2010s feel to it. Um, and that's where you, you obviously want to be, right? They lose – not only did they lose a bunch of players to the draft and a bunch of high draft picks nonetheless – they lose Jermaine Burton to the transfer portal, who goes to Alabama, you know, one of their best receivers. And then in, you know, probably, what, four uh, over a month ago at this point, they lose Nolan Smith. They're starting they're pretty much their best linebacker. Yeah. And they're still, obviously, they've struggled at times. They struggled with Kentucky. They struggled right. with Kent State and Missouri. But, you know, they're undefeated at this point. And I think in everybody's mind, they're pretty much the, the number, consensus number one. So, yeah, that's the point you want to get at, obviously, when uh, building your championship aspirations. That's where LSU fans want to get is you have a great season, you lose a lot of players, and you just continue to reload. And even if it's not at the same caliber as, you know, those historic teams, you're still being competitive for a top, yeah. you know, top four team in the country. All right, so the teams that gave – Georgia the most trouble this year, and it's hard for a team like Georgia to get up for every – it's hard for any yeah. team. LSU, for instance, against A&M. It's very, very difficult. So I'll, I'll let them slide, but they did win every game regardless. But those teams that gave them the most trouble uh, were teams that were very physical, up-front, line-of-scrimmage teams. Um, and that's, I think, the formula for LSU. LSU's going to have to hold their own – Offensive line, defensive line, if not play a little bit better than Georgia, to have a shot at this. Yeah, I um, you know, looking back on it and starting the Georgia Georgia prep for this week, uh, the they the offense. Obviously, we know about Brock Bowers. We know they can run the ball um, really well. We know about Stetson Bennett and his, you know, what he can do as well as his limitations. I, I really put this game on LSU's defense to bounce back. You have to show me yeah. that LSU's defense is not the team that we just saw get run over by Texas A&M. And I, I want to believe that that was an anomaly. I want to believe that that was an outlier. But you are going up against a very different team now in Georgia that if you look pushed around against A&M, they will – you know, manhandle you. So mm-hmm. that's to me going to decide a lot of things because, like, like you said, I think you have to be able to match them at the point of attack in a lot of ways. And because they don't have the skilled players, they don't have the, you know, the Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, you know, all right. those elite receivers out there. So they're going to run the ball and they're going to be, um, pick their spots with Brock Bowers. But yeah, that's where the game, when I start to evaluate it, that's where I start. Yeah, I don't think if LSU is going to win, this is not going to be a shootout. It's going to have to be like 
maybe the Alabama game uh, in the low mm-hmm. 30s, maybe a little bit lower. What, what mm-hmm. impresses me about Georgia is they're just they just execute. They don't beat themselves, and yeah. they are they do force turnovers. Their defense gets turnovers, so um, LSU is going to have to have to protect the football. And boy, boy, are special teams huge in this thing? If LSU has one special teams blunder. This thing's over. It's over. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it, it's kind of like how we went into the game with the Alabama against Alabama, where it was like yep. you have yep. to play clean, you have to defensively, um, obviously come out and play really well and slow down their their key players. Similar to Alabama, I mean, I, like I said, they don't have the most explosive receivers out there, uh, right. but that is my my whole thing is coming back to it is I'm starting to. <laughs> To, to to have a worry that this team is just a lot better at home than they are in, you know, outside you. of Tiger Stadium, Thank and you. obviously this game will be in Georgia. And yep. um, they, I mean, you look at the last two games: Arkansas two turnovers, A um, and M two turnovers, um, or the fumble at least. Mm-hmm. And so now you know you're playing Georgia in Georgia, and you cannot afford any of those mistakes. So obviously the Florida State game to start the year, bunch of mistakes. So. That's going to be the real interesting thing to me. Like you said, they don't beat themselves. Georgia doesn't. And at home, LSU doesn't beat, beat itself. But on the road recently, it's That's been a different good. story. That is a very good point, Matthew Bruni, with uh, BengalTigerOn3.com. Uh, this is a big, big opportunity for a B.J. Ogilari, for an Ali Gay. Uh, you're playing against the best team in the country, arguably the best team in the country. I, 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 somebody's going to be really good to beat Michigan, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Michigan's really good. Uh, but for Ojolari and Gay, man, this is a big money-making game for them. And uh, Harold Perkins, say hello to Stetson Bennett the fourth. I- I'm very curious to see how Matt House moves these three players around because LSU's speed and quickness and their versatility are what I think they have to use to their advantage to get – pressure in the backfield of Georgia. I don't think they can just muscle up and, and go mano imano. I think they got to use their speed and quickness. And so I'm curious as to Matt House and how he gets creative with the talent that he has there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I referenced it earlier, but the Kentucky game was interesting, and that's going to be the one I kind of go back and watch first whenever I really dig into it, because Kentucky is a really, really solid defense. They Yep. Offensively, Kentucky's been awful this year, uh, despite having Will Levis at quarterback. But the defense has been really quality for them for the most part. So go back and uh, watch that game. They were able, um, at least on paper, able to really slow down um, the, the rushing attack of Georgia. And I think that's where it's going to start. And I, I, I agree with you in that the a lot, all, you know, a lot of games come down to third downs, but especially in this one, you have to be creative. You have to be able to affect Stetson Bennett because if there's one thing Stetson Bennett is, is he's calm and he's confident out there. Yes. Whether he's the yes. most talented quarterback or not is, you know, up for debate. But uh, you have to be able to rattle him to a degree if you want to beat Georgia. And that's something that I'm, I'm interested to see if they can do that. Give me a quarterback. I don't care if, what the talent level is. If a quarterback wins games, that's the quarterback I want. And when's the last time Stetson Bennett has lost a game? <laughs> Jeez. It's been a while. It's been a yeah. while. Uh, Matthew Bruni with us. Um, so we'll see. I don't. I have no doubt whatsoever in any shape or form that LSU is going to be in the right frame of mind for this one. Now, whether that is 
I mean, I think that's essential to have a chance. Now, whether that takes them and help them to, to win the game, that's that's to be determined. But I don't, I can't fathom them not being ready emotionally and uh, physically and mentally for this game. I can't fathom that. Can you? No, I can't. I think um, I had a pretty bad. I had a weird feeling going to the A and M game that. You know, I I didn't say they were going to lose, but I had it like twenty three thirteen was my prediction, and I was like, you know, first half I wouldn't be surprised they're tied or even down, yeah. uh, and then you yeah. know come back in the second half and 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 pull out the win like that. That was my feeling. This one, I I agree with you. I think they're going to come prepared. I really really trust Brian Kelly and the leaders on this team to get them their minds right, and not for nothing. While losing that game to A and M is inexcusable, and you really don't want to lose it. Maybe it does take some pressure off them. Maybe it does allow them to yeah. not have to look ahead to anything and just focus on Georgia this week. I, I got that feeling from Brian Kelly. Um, I mean, personally, I, I think they cover you know, a spread of you know, 16, mm-hmm. 17. I just can't really see this team getting blown out, um, especially, yeah. like I said, I, Georgia, this Georgia team's not as good as last year's team. Uh, they have struggled a bit recently, so they're, they're not – a dominant, dominant team here. So I think LSU will be able to hang in there if they come out with the right mindset, which I think they will. Yeah, just um, t- everything to me is hinges upon the health of uh, Jaden Daniels. If if he's yeah. 100% and good to go, okay, I'm with you. If he's not, oh, my God. Um, oh, yeah. We're, we're in big time, big time trouble. Uh, we shall see. Um, all right, buddy, I greatly appreciate your time. Um, and uh, we'll talk hoops soon, okay? All right, yeah. Once the team start playing somebody, then we can start Thank talking you. about Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Thank you. I guarantee you, uh, Kim Mulkey's uh, team, they play Southeastern tonight. Um, yeah. I went and saw Southeastern with my daughter. She's been offered a scholarship to play there. Uh, oh, so nice. I went to go see that um, the other night. LSU will beat Southeastern by a minimum of 50. Minimum. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty good line. Yeah, that's a pretty good line. I mean, they've beaten everybody else by 50 pretty much. Yeah, minimum 50. So. so I'm like, Kim, I'm not going to even talk about you until you, you play somebody with a pulse. And she laughed. Yeah. Said, okay. Yeah. Okay, I, we'll do that. I agree. Matthew Bruni, have a safe trip up to uh, Atlanta. And um, guesstimate the, the crowd as far as percentage. How many Georgia fans to LSU fans? 80-20? <sighs> Yeah, I think eighty twenty is probably fair. Now, to, now I have to obviously, as you know, this will be my first SEC championship game, so I wasn't there in like twenty nineteen right. or anything like that. So I haven't experienced that. So we'll we'll see. This will all be new for me. But yeah, I, I think eighty twenty would be safe. I can't I can't remember the year, but we went there and played Tennessee um, in the SEC championship game, and we got into it late. Uh, and Tennessee was like, uh, you know, really really good. Um, and, uh, I walked into the Georgia dome as it was called then. And I looked up and went, Oh my God, we're playing in, in Neyland stadium. It was 90% Tennessee fans, 90%. We didn't know what we were doing. We hadn't been to the sec championship game in forever. So we didn't know about secondary markets and all this kind of stuff. Yep. And, uh, LSU beat their brains out. So you never know. You never know. Matthew yeah, Bruno, it'll be fun. Thank you, buddy. Have fun. Appreciate it. All right, man, you take care. Uh, It's another two-for-one deal from AcadianaDeals.com. Today you can get a $40 voucher to buy you gourmet popcorn 
for only 20 bucks. That's $40 in vouchers to a gourmet popcorn ship that has over 40 flavors. And you can get it all for half the price. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com today to get $40 in vouchers to buy you pop gourmet popcorn for only $20. Mr. College Football shares his thoughts on the SEC and college football when we return here on the Jordy Hilpert Show. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. All right, another college football playoff poll comes out today. We've got conference championship games this weekend. Then we'll find out if the chaos continues or if things settle down and nobody better to talk to about all of that. And then some is Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart, who's kind enough to join us yet again. Good afternoon, sir. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, Thank you. We did. I appreciate it. Hope you did as well. We, we We had a grand old time. We had a grand old time till I saw my LSU Tigers just flat out, just not even show up mentally or physically to College Station and A and M. They just, they just kind of show that not ready to play football. I, I did not see that coming. Mm-hmm. I knew Texas A and M would play hard because it's the last game. They're at home. They want to do something, but that uh, was. Uh, as as my old coach used to say, son, there are days when they line up and kick your butt. Yep. That's yeah. what happened to LSU. No question. Now they have to bounce back and take Georgia. Does Georgia remain number one? They've got four wins against current uh, top AP top 25 teams. Boy, Michigan had maybe the most impressive win of the year in Columbus, but they've just got two wins against AP top mm-hmm. 25 teams. So uh, that seems to be the difference maker to me. Yeah, I, I expect Georgia to stay number one, be Michigan at two, uh, TCU at three, and USC at four. Okay, who's at five? Expect. Who's at five? That's the that's big the question. Key. Yeah. That, is it, that's what is I wrote it Ohio State? Yesterday. Is yeah. it Ohio State? Is it Alabama? Is it Tennessee? Uh, I think it'll be Ohio State because knowing the committee, that extra win, even though they just absolutely got – taken to the woodshed by Michigan. I think they end up in the number five hole and six or seven, you know, who, who knows what it's going to be. You can make the case that Alabama should be there uh, and, and Tennessee should drop a notch because they don't have their quarterback, which you can do, by the way. Yeah. Which the NCAA basketball selection That's committee fair. has yeah. always done that. If you're missing a player that impacts your the way that you're going to play, and I'd say no Hendon Hooker was a very vital player. Yeah. Yeah. The committee would be within its purview uh, to bump Tennessee down a notch and put Alabamans in the sixth hole. You know the Georgia program very, very well. It's just remarkable that they won a championship a year ago, lost so many players, and here they are yet again, number one, undefeated. It's so Alabama-like, it's scary. Um, this team, this year's team compared to last year's national championship team. What do you think? Oh, let's, first of all, let's start with defense. Uh, the defense that Georgia had last year, eight draft choices, five in the first round yep. from, from one defense. Uh, that is a, that's, that's a generational defense. You may not ever see one that good again, 10.2 right. points per game. Now, what I was told about this Georgia defense is that there's no way we can be as good 
as we were a year ago, but we're going to be pretty darn good. Okay. Uh-huh. And that, that's what happens when you have recruiting uh, Jalen Carter, who, who is a guy who was a backup last year, one yeah. in the rotation, maybe the best defensive player taken early in the draft. Right. So first of all, I'll start with defense. Georgia is really, really good. They're only giving up 11 and a half points a game. So not a whole lot. Yeah. So, the offense, I think, is I think is a little bit better. Uh, while they missed the explosiveness of, at wide receiver, uh, you saw in the Georgia Tech game that the host of guys they've got it at running back, mm-hmm. and my goodness, the, those tight ends, and they're very creative in how they use them. So I think I think offensively, Georgia's Georgia's just as good this year as they were last year. Okay, that's. Uh... That's not good for LSU. Um, LSU, a 17, 17 and a half point underdog in this one. It's in Georgia's home, away from home. Uh, we've said that so many times with LSU when they play in the Superdome and what an advantage it is mm-hmm. there. Um, well, do you, what, what do you see out of this game? I think early on, if I, this is, you know, football is not real complicated, Jordy. I think right. we all try to make it complicated and it's not. But if I flipped on the, the the video of Texas A&M and LSU and watched Mr. A. Shane do what he did, yeah. Uh, if I'm Georgia, I'm gonna run, I'm gonna run the ball until you prove to me you can stop it. No and question. When you do, we're gonna go play action and throw it to those big tight ends and, and get some big plays out of that. And but most of the time we're gonna run, run the ball. So if Georgia's having success early on running the ball, uh, that does not bode well for yeah. LSU. Yeah. Now you also got to tell me how Jaden Daniels is. You know, right. is he percent, eighty percent, ninety percent? I know, I know he's in a walking boot just to be mm-hmm. careful. Mm-hmm. But he's he's the key to that football team, certainly yeah. on the offensive side of the ball. As he goes, so goes the rest of uh, LSU. It's it's hard to look. No team gets up for every game, and Georgia's just like any other team. So maybe they probably weren't emotionally up for a game like Missouri. That was yeah. the closest game of the year, twenty six twenty two. What did Missouri do well in that game that maybe other teams didn't? They ran they ran the ball well. They ran the ball well, and early for the first two and a half quarters, they kept Georgia from running the ball. Really, okay. but what Georgia has is depth, and over the course of that game, they wore gotcha. Missouri down. By the fourth quarter, Georgia was doing whatever it wanted to do, right. running the football. So that's that's the key. You, you can stop, you can slow down the run at Georgia, but how long can you do it? So, so here's the idea: get yourself a big lead and hold on for dear life. That's <laughs> that's that's the idea. There you go, Tony Barnhart, Mister College Football, with us. Um, how many hoops do you think Auburn had to to jump through um, in the hiring of Hugh Freeze? To, you know the inner sanctum of that yeah. uh, the conference. How do you think that all came into fruition? I, I, it's certainly a different situation today than it was several years ago when Nick Saban wanted to bring Hugh Freeze in as an analyst. Okay, right. uh, there were still NCAA issues that had not been completely resolved concerning the Ole Miss coach and. So the conference office will say, look, it's not fair to the rest of the conference for you to be able to hire a guy who's at last who was in you know, whose team was involved in NCAA. Now, trust us, now is not the time. Well, uh-huh. five years have passed and now it, it was a totally different situation. And so I don't I don't think the conference, you know, 
the Congress's job is not to hire people, but if asked, they get render an opinion. I think I think everybody believed that now enough time has passed. Do you believe they were uh, seriously inquiring to Lane Kiffin? And and what do you think turned that? If they were, what do you think turned Lane Kiffin into saying, "No, I'm going to stay here"? I have no doubt that Lane Kiffin was Auburn's number one choice. I don't think there's any I don't think there's any doubt about that at all. But I think at the end of the day, uh, Lane understood that he has a great quality of life in Oxford, Mississippi, and he is in charge. Mm-hmm. Just like his mentor Nick Saban, he has a chance to be completely in charge of the operation. That has not been the case at Auburn, as we well we well know. So I think at the end of the day. After consulting with his agent Jimmy Sexton, he says, "Okay, let's let's see if we can maximize the leverage we have in this situation and keep you in in Oxford." And I think that's what happened. Uh, the numbers weren't staggering, no. Um, from what Auburn offered you, Freeze, it's, it wasn't this astronomical Jimbo Fisher like type mm-hmm. of contract. So, um, I guess you really wanted to be back in the pressure cooker. Uh, he did. I've, I've exchanged some text messages with him, and he, there's no question he's. He's looking for an opportunity to be back in the SEC. Uh, he understands that, uh, like you said in his, his introductory press conference, hey, all I ask is for you give me a chance to earn your trust. And when it, when it comes down to stuff, that's really what, what anybody can ask. Uh, that's, that's all that Hugh Freeze can ask, and that's all the public can do is say, okay, we're going to give you a chance. Let's, let's see what yeah. you got. Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated, quote, multiple sources say Freeze has agreed to relinquish control of his social media accounts when he oh my. the Auburn coach. The background check on Freeze was extensive. The school hired a PR consultant to handle the expected blowback in bringing yep. him aboard. The things yep. you got to do these days. No, I, that, that, none of that surprised me. Pat Forty is a wonderful uh, yep. reporter, and that doesn't surprise me at all because – if you're if you're Auburn, you've done your due diligence, okay? And just like in politics, you sit down in a room and says, "Okay, we've satisfied we've satisfied ourselves that this is the right move to make." Now, how is the world going to feel about it? And when it, when we get the pushback, and we will, how do we react to the pushback? And I'm yeah. sure that was that was a big big part of this. Yeah. Um... I think Auburn's better. I think he's a really good coach. I really do. I think they're going to be much better at that quarterback position. I mean, what he has done with quarterbacks over the years, uh, what he did at at, at Liberty. I mean, yeah, they didn't finish well at Liberty this year, but they had, first of all, they went to Arkansas and won. They had, uh, they scored late against Wake Forest and decided to go for two and to win the game and didn't make it. And they, but they, they have been, uh, uh, they have been very, very good. And he, he knows about offense. He yeah. knows how to push the right buttons. He knows how to develop quarterbacks. And that's been everybody's issue is, is at Auburn. Auburn has gotten very inconsistent quarterback play. Now, they've played better down the stretch. I, the bottom line, it, Jordy, is that Hugh Freeze checked all the boxes that Auburn needed from a, from a football standpoint. And they said, okay, there's no doubt about this guy as a football coach. Now, 
how do we handle the PR end of this thing? And, right. they, and that's, and that's, that is, uh, as they say, an ongoing process. Well, everybody deserves a second chance, and we'll see how Hugh handles his second chance in the league. He's, a, he's at Auburn. They've proven they can win a national championship there. So uh, it's a pretty good opportunity for him. Um, who is the coach of the year in the SEC this year? I wrote it on my column uh, Monday morning on TMG Sports. Uh, I said, boy, there are a lot of great candidates. Uh, there really are. I mean, what – you know, what Josh Heupel has done, what Shane Beamer has done, what a lot of yeah. – at the end of the day, my coach of the year is Kirby Smart Yeah. for the reasons that you and I just discussed. I mean, you're yeah. talking about a team that lost a ton of talent. Now, we knew Georgia was going to be good, but did we know they were going to be 12-0 and 0 good? Yeah. Did we know they were going to be number one in the nation for most of the year good? And uh, I just – there's an assumption that it's easy to coach talented players – uh, that's not right. Uh, no. Trust me, I've talked to enough coaches over the years. It's yeah. hard to it's hard to coach talented players because they, they've got a bigger world view. If so Kirby, I'm yeah. Kirby Smart, I'm with you. If Nick Saban should have won Coach of the Year nine times. And yeah, he never does. Yeah. He never does. That's right. I was going to say if Kirby keeps this up, he's going to get Saban. The most incredible stat I've ever seen is 15 consecutive years of 10 or more wins yeah. for Alabama. 15. Yeah. Yeah, how do you uh, do that? It, 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 you, you would think it would be inevitable that you would have a down year. You know, you have a bad year recruiting. You have a bunch of injuries, on and on and on and on. And but no, he's just he just keeps on he keeps on trucking, keeps on trucking. Which is why I told somebody this the other day: Has, has Alabama got a chance to get in the playoff? Not not really, based on what what I can see. Right. But I guarantee you. There are coaches in that list. They don't want to play Alabama. They no, really don't. Nope. They're looking at what Bryce Young is doing. And they said that guy's that that is a football playing dude. Yeah. You don't you don't want to play Alabama. I promise. I still, you. I, stay, I still take Bryce Young over any player in the league. Yeah. Me. I I like Hooker. I really do. But man, give me that Bryce Young dude. I'll, well, I'll win some games. Joel Klatt at Fox is a guy I've gotten to know. Uh huh over the last couple of years. And he said something really interesting about Bryce Young. He said, when greatness is required, Bryce Young is great. Yeah. He was, he was referring to the the Texas game where he literally put that team on his back and drove them the distance to get the winning field. And that's, that's what he does. And so he's just, I, I, uh, I don't have a Heisman vote. But if I had a Heisman vote, I'd vote for him. As as good as Caleb Williams is, and he was great. He was yeah. he was great. You no, know, this guy is going to be a great, great NFL quarterback. One last thing: what's happening in South Carolina? What Shane Beamer's? <laughs> that's that's high level stuff, man. To beat Tennessee and then to beat Clemson like that—that's that's unreal. Well, the amazing thing was is the week before Tennessee. They not only lost to Florida, they got embarrassed. I think it was 38 to 6. And I think the 6 was a special teams touchdown. They didn't score an offensive touchdown. Then, as everything that I've heard and read and all that, basically Shane Beamer says, We got this quarterback who's got an arm. Let's let it go. And yeah. they came out smoking against Tennessee and they never let up. Unbelievable. And everybody said, Yeah, but that was a one. That was a, yeah, yeah you had a great game. But you're not going to Clemson anymore. There's no way. 
and they'll run if they don't do it. So league's getting tougher, Tony. League is getting better and better. These coaches can coach and they can recruit. It's uh, it's going to be interesting. Thank you so much as always. Enjoy the SEC championship game, my friend. It's always great. All right, Jordy, take care. You bet. Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football. We'll be back to wrap up our number one after this final timeout. Jordy Holberg was draining three-pointers with ease way before Steph Curry came on the scene or was even born. Now, back to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. If you're looking for a great Christmas gift, make sure to check out AcadianaDeals.com. Today, you can get a $30 voucher to Mudcat Whiskers for just $15. That's a $30 deal for half the price. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com today to get you a $30 voucher to Mudcat Whiskers for only $15. They have nine minutes of stoppage time. They've already played about three of them, so maybe a little six minutes left. USA won, Iran zero. Iran just had a header shot on goal after a penalty. Uh, They just went wide left, so U.S. has to win it to keep in it. Uh, So we'll update you on that. We'll have the black and gold report with Bob Rose coming up in hour number two. So this is the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. We'll keep you updated on the um, on the World Cup and much, much more. So come on back after the top of the hour sports update here on the game. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's our number two of two, and away we go. Just watching the uh, finale of this World Cup match between the USA and Iran. Uh, Iran almost had a goal at the very, very end. I'm trying to see if it's over with or not. They're still playing. Um, through stoppage time, and it's one zip. Uh, USA needs to to win it to stay in it. So right now, good, and it should be about over. Any game is over. Whew, man, that World Cup soccer is fun to watch. I got to admit, it's uh, quite the atmosphere and quite dramatic. Uh, so congratulations, USA is in it. So they win it, so they're in it. They will play later on this week against the Netherlands. Um, so congratulations to, uh, to them. Um, we know LSU's playing in the SEC championship game. Uh, how they fare in that, your guess is as, uh, as good as mine. Uh, do they have the ability, the, the, um, the talent to hang in there? Absolutely. I mean, if you could beat Alabama, you can beat anybody. You really can. You can beat anybody. Now, difference is that was at home, quite the atmosphere. Um, and as one of our guests, Matthew Bruni from um, BengalTigerOn3.com said, LSU really good at home. He struggled on the road. He struggled this year in the, in the Superdome against Florida State, remember? Uh, Georgia, once again, top rank. We'll see if they're top ranked tonight. Some people think Michigan may jump them. I don't. I think Georgia will still be number one. They're, they're the... They're the national champion. 
They come back. They're twelve and zero overall, eight and zero in the SEC. Um, so this will be a three o'clock kickoff our time in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Of course, you'll be able to hear the ball game right here on one zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles. So um, Georgia beat Georgia Tech thirty seven fourteen last week. LSU is five and one all time in SEC championship games, which includes a 3-1 and one mark versus Georgia. The one time LSU lost to Georgia, uh, Les Miles was coaching. I'll never, I'll never, ever, ever forget this. He and I were, were taping his television show that would run the next day on the, on the stadium floor in the end zone of the Georgia Dome. And um, they had some drunk Georgia fans sitting up in one of the suites and they were giving less the razzmatazz, man. They were saying something. And I'm like, I, I could see less and his his demeanor. It was getting to him. And I said, Les, come on now. Come on now. You're the coach at LSU. You just gotta, if you don't know this by now, you gotta let that fall off your back and let's let's get this done. Let's get our butts back on the bus and let's fly home. Les couldn't ha- Les wanted to go up in the stands and fight these people. I had to, myself and a couple other people had to just literally stand in his way and say, Les, no, you cannot do that. You can't do it. No. Um, LSU's seventh SEC championship game appearance ranks number four in the league. Trails only, of course. Alabama, who has 14. Uh, Florida, back in the Spurrier years, was always there. They've been in there 13 times. Georgia has been there 13 times as well. Um, LSU has won two straight for the last five against Georgia, dating back to a 2013 win in Athens in 2009. So if LSU can win this one, it would be their 17th 10-win season in school history and the first since um, they went 15-0 and with that unbelievable year back in 2019. So um, easier said than done. So much will depend upon Jaden Daniels' health. So much. Um, no one team relies more on one player than LSU does with Jaden Daniels. Counted for 3,390 yards of total offense. 824 rushing, 2,566 yards passing, 26 total touchdowns, 11 running the ball in the end zone himself, and 15 with touchdown passes. Um, His 3,000, just to show you, just to show you how incredible that 2019 season was, Jane Daniels has a heck of a year. 3,390 yards of total offense. That's second best in LSU history. You remember what Joe Burrow had in 2019? I mean, you're going to laugh. You're going to laugh. Daniels had 3,390 yards. Burrow had 6,093. 6,000. Oh, my gosh. Unbelievable. What a, what a once in a generation, once in a lifetime kind of a deal. Um, so uh, we shall see. We shall see what happens. The Pels won last night. Uh, they beat Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City's got a good little ball club. Young. They're going to be good. Uh, in the years to come, if they can keep everybody around, 
uh, Shea Gilgris Alexander. Look at look at all the Kentucky players that are playing in the league, and look how good they are now. Um, yeah, he, he pretty darn good. Thirty-one points last night, but the Pels, uh, despite not having Brandon Ingram, despite not having uh, C.J. McCollum, still get a win. They get five in double figures. Zion Williamson with twenty-three to go along with eight rebounds and a season-high eight assists. That's that's impressive. Trey Murphy with 20. Jose Alvarado in the starting lineup for McCullum had 15. Herb Jones had 12. And off the bench, Willie Hernan Gomez in 10 minutes had, I mean, in 17 minutes had 10 points and nine rebounds. He's a stat sheet stuffer. Uh, so the Pels get it done. And, and right now, um, it, it's still very, 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 very early. Uh, but the Pels are in third place in the Western Conference. Phoenix is at 14 and 6. Denver is at 13 and 7. And the Pels are at 12 and 8. Pretty good. It's a jam packed um, 1 through 10, separated by four and a half games. So um, it's still very early, but good early results by this Pelicans ball club. No question, no doubt. Um, so uh, that's always a positive sign. Great to see that the USA gets the win. That's uh, that's tremendous. Very good. Um, let's see. Uh, Aaron Rodgers plans to play after he got some good news on um, some scans to his rib injury that he suffered against the Philadelphia Eagles. He said he expects to play this week and against the Chicago Bears. So we'll see. Uh, the coach already came out and said he's our starting quarterback. He's good to go. He will be good to go. Uh, the college football playoff poll comes out tonight. We'll see. Um, it's going to be Georgia, Michigan, TCU. It's going to be Southern Cal. I don't think there's any question, any doubt about that. The big question mark is who's going to be at number five. Ohio State lost rather significantly at home. And Michigan didn't have their best running back for the game. They lost pretty significantly. Um do they stay at number five? Do, do they drop to number five, rather? Does Alabama move up to number five uh, with their Iron Bowl win? Tennessee, you know, when you don't have your best player, um, I think that's that significantly impacts Tennessee in the in the, the minds of the pollsters. Yeah, they're a good team, and they've done this, done that, but they don't have their best player. They don't have their quarterback. And so they're not going to be one of the top teams out there without him. So I think that dramatically affects uh, Tennessee. How far will LSU drop in the uh, playoff committee mind? We shall see. That's what the that's what the drama is for uh, for tonight. So again, not to cry over spilt milk, but what a what a golden opportunity it was for for LSU. What a golden opportunity it was, and uh, you know, but you got to show up to play. Plain and simple. And if you don't, you're going to suffer uh, like you did against AM. All right, we're going to talk. Uh, golly, I don't know what we're going to talk about with the Saints. Um, never have I really wanted a season to end quicker than I have now. I totally, totally wrong on this Saints team. Totally. I thought LSU would be the team that struggled. I thought the Saints would be a lot better than people thought they would be. I was wrong on both fronts. LSU's had a 
remarkable season. To be playing for an SEC championship game, absolutely remarkable. And the Saints, absolutely pathetic. Wow. Bob Rose of the Saints News Network will join us after this timeout. Hour number two of the Jordy Helper Show on a Tuesday, November 29th. Yeah, the Black and Gold Report here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hello, Bob. Good afternoon, sir. How was your Thanksgiving? Good afternoon, Jordy. It was too short, but it was quite sweet. Uh, How was your Thanksgiving? It was really, really nice. Thank you very much. Um, I don't want to talk about the Saints just yet. How about that World Cup win? One sip. I mean, how dramatic at the end was that? Iran had a bunch of shots on goal. My gosh. I, I, I love to see the United States of America get excited about soccer. Yeah. You know, I'm a volleyball man, so I love to get ex- love the, this country when they get excited about you know, their volleyball teams right. come Olympic time. Uh, you know, but, folks, this is a year-round sport, and it happens every year. You don't just pay attention to World Cup. Don't just pay attention to Olympics. Uh, you know, let's start investing uh, you know, in, in some of our youth. Uh, you know, if you have a son or daughter and they're, you know, they're talented at soccer or volleyball uh, or or what they you know, what is termed as the secondary sports, right. support that. Get them involved in camps and you know, yeah. go, go to the high school sports. But, yeah, you know, I, I, I love what you know, success of you know, United States soccer could potentially do for the youth of this country. Yeah, I'm taking my daughter. She's got club volleyball starting today. So um, she's all into it. All right. Um you sent me a text message. I couldn't agree with anything more so in my entire life. I'm just ready for this season to come to a screeching halt. Can we just say, look, five games, eh, we'll just give it to you. We're just going to – what's going – how can I have been so wrong about a team that I thought so highly of before the season started? Where did this all go wrong? Hey, Jordan, I'm scratching my head myself. Remember, you know, the Saints were my pick to go to this Super Bowl out of the NFC. Uh, you know, and, and you were one of many, like you pointed out, that had the team you know, at winning the NFC South or going you know, and or going to the playoffs. Uh, there's only so much you can blame on injuries. Uh, yeah, I realize right. injuries have taken a toll, uh, but the players on the field, you know, players like Tyron Matthew, Jarvis Landry, Andrus Pete, Marcus Davenport, players that we've come to expect – big things from good performances from they have just totally flopped uh you know and i, I obviously you know, talk about the coaching staff and their failures yeah that 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 would take up more than a few segments of our time yeah. uh but y- you do have to start there uh a, a, a big share of the blame goes to the players on the field as i always say uh but the, the coaches, uh, you know, the, this is a hire that it, it was clearly bad for the organization. Uh, you know, it, it's trickled down through the entire staff. I do think there are going to be major changes made in the offseason. But as we sit here right now, I don't think one of them is going to be Dennis Allen. I, I agree with you on that. I don't think they'll pull the trigger on that. As far as coordinator are concerned here and there, that, that might be uh, that that might be something, but. Right. You know, I, I look at 
for instance, um, a team like San Francisco, okay, um, they struggled early. Mm-hmm. They, they weren't they weren't playing good, but they they turned their thing around. Now they're seven and four. They're top of their division. They are a playoff team and a and a contender. They they were able to take their mistakes, learn from them, and with proper leadership and good players, right the ship. Saints look like they're a front runner team. If man, if the season's going good, we're good. But when the going gets tough, shoot, forget about it. We're done. That's what it appears like to me. It does me too. Uh, and again, if you're going to start with the blame at the coaches, yeah, it, not all of it goes on them. But you know, let let's start there. Uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan and his staff in San Francisco, and you you bring up a great example. Uh, you know, he kept that team, that franchise, very focused and very intense during some rough times early, not only this season but last season. You know, remember they came out of nowhere. Uh, you know, people left them for dead at midseason last year, uh, and they made a run to the NFC Championship. Frankly, should have won it. Uh, we don't see that same kind of intensity out of New Orleans. Uh, you know, we did when the visor uh, you know, was uh, was roaming the sideline. You didn't see a player make the same mistake twice, or if you did, you didn't see that player again for a while. We're not seeing any accountability, uh, not only you know, from the coaches to the players, but from the player leadership to the players. Uh, you know, and I think that right. they deserve just as much, if not more so, blame than the, than the coaches. I'm with you 100%. We say it every week. I'll ask you again. Is it time now to go to Jameis Winston? I would if I were Dennis Allen, uh, but I've said that every week too. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, let's see what the 28-year-old got, uh, got left. Uh, you know, can he potentially be a quarterback for us uh, you know, if he has the right pieces around him? And you know he'd be motivated because he's facing his former squad. But Dennis Allen, Dennis Allen's guy is Andy Dalton. I think he has made that very clear with the lack of moves uh, when he's had opportunities to go back to Winston. And listen, this team did not lose because of Andy Dalton last Sunday. Uh, But again, it was very clear that they can't take that next step with the limit with their roster and the added limitations of what a 35 year old Andy Dalton brings to the table at this stage. You don't get the ball in the end zone and the quarterback's got the ball in his hands the most. I, I mean, honestly, but like Alvin Kamara fumbling the ball. Um, it's unusual. It just shows me a lack of focus, a lack of attention. And that's what that's all about. Absolutely. It is. Uh, you know, and you know, let's give credit to the 49ers defenders. They, yeah, they made nice plays on both of those fumbles. Uh, but on the second one in particular, uh, you know, if you go back and watch that replay, you know, Kamara, you know, he's trying to get the ball in the end zone. I'll give him yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, but you know, when you have a defense swarming in on you, you have to protect that ball. Live to fight. It's not like this. That was a fourth and goal situation. Right. Exactly. If you're down at the goal line, you literally have six inches to get it into the end zone. Uh, you know, be smart. <laughs> uh, you know, and I've accused Alvin Kamara of looking disinterested at times. Yeah. Uh, you know, there were even periods of Sunday's football game where he looked disinterested to me. Yeah. You know, through the first half, in particular. Maybe that's why he wears a visor. You don't want people to see his eyes. I, I don't know, but you're right. I, I agree with you. Um, God, now you got to go play Brady and, and the Bucks on a Monday night. 
Falcons come to your place. You got to go to Cleveland on this on Chris, uh, Christmas Eve. You got to go to Philly on New Year's Day. And you wrap up things with the Panthers. I mean, again, I, I don't know what to expect. I have no no earthly clue. None. Yeah, me either. Because yeah, the next game against Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay has had their own you know mountain of struggles this year. Uh, but the Buccaneers have a chance to really put a kill shot on the Saints. Uh, you know, and I know you know, the, the rivalry, the Tampa Bay-New Orleans rivalry, the Buccaneers fans tried to build that up into more than what it is. But I'll tell you, it is a legitimate rivalry on the field between these two teams. There are several players on both sides that don't like each other. And, you know, with, uh, again, the Buccaneers have a chance to put essentially a kill shot oh, on the yeah. New Orleans Saints 2022 season. Yeah. Yeah. How are the Saints going to respond to this challenge? Uh, you know, they've wilted in the face of every other challenge they faced in 2022. How are they going to respond when this is really their final challenge of this season yeah i'm with you bob rose saints news network you mentioned you expect changes um saints don't have a first round draft pick there we're hoping against hope that sean payton uh, gets back into coaching and uh, the saints get a very high draft pick uh, Mm -hmm. because you you don't make changes with teams that are good you make changes with teams that are no good and if sean payton agrees to that that's that's a whole nother can of worms there um But some players, maybe it's time to start looking at trade value with some of those. And who would be some at the top of your list? And listen, he's one of my favorite Saints players to watch right up there with uh, all-time New Orleans players. But I would start with Alvin Kamara. Uh, yeah, he still has high trade value, and I'm not saying they should do it, folks. I'm not saying they will do it. Uh, right. you know, although, to, you know, Mickey Loom is all general managers always listen to phone calls, but I would dangle Alvin Kamara out there in the off season, see what you could potentially get for him. Uh, he's a running back. Running backs typically go downhill very rapidly. Uh, you know, at the age of 29, 30, 31, and Kamara is quickly approaching that. Uh, you know, he's about to hit an escalation uh, you know, on his yearly salary cap hit for the deal that he signed two years ago. Uh, again, I'm not I, I love this offense when Kamara is on, but I would at least dangle it out there to see what you could get for him, especially if you go into this offseason with the mentality of we, we have more of a we're not still not going to call it a rebuild, uh, but this is more of a retooling project that we anticipated and you know whether you call it rebuild retool whatever the case may be you need pieces to do that pieces are players you can't get players if you don't have draft picks and you don't have salary cap space and right now the saints have neither so yeah you dangle everybody out there and see the only player that i would deem untouchable for the saints right now is marshawn Lattimore, and i say that because shutdown corners are so difficult to find there are players i do not think will be moved or dangled but you at least throw them out there and entertain the offers is michael thomas tradable It'd be very difficult because of his salary cap hit, uh, but no player is untradeable. Uh, you know, if you can get a team to agree, uh, you know, we're uh, obviously we're talking hypotheticals here, but if you can get a team that highly values Thomas, uh, you know, perhaps they would be agreeable to taking on that entire salary load 
that you know that the saints are faced with paying uh you know and i i realize that you know my contemporaries in the media have all said oh michael thomas is untradeable because of the salary cap hit yeah listen you're talking about making loomis here uh yeah there are always ways to circumvent that uh yeah and honestly if a team wants a player out of their building that bad they won't care about the salary cap hit i don't know if we're there with michael thomas but that's something to keep in mind too you know, it's such a fine line, and you go into this offseason. I, I don't think the quarterback for the Saints is in is in the building yep. right now for next year. The question is, are you drafting and, and playing a rookie? Or who is out there that's good that is worthy of um, acquiring? Who's out there? I, listen, free agency-wise, there are three names to watch very closely. And no, I'm not going to even entertain Aaron Rodgers coming to New, uh, New Orleans. Oh, no. Uh, oh. But uh, you know, Geno Smith and Jimmy Garoppolo are both in contract years. Uh, and tell me, you wouldn't want to see Jimmy Garoppolo in a well-executed, well-balanced offense. I yeah. think he could run it very well. Yeah. Uh, and Derek Carr has a potential out from the Las Vegas Raiders if they choose they want to go in another direction. So those are the three quarterback names I would watch very, very closely uh, you know, this offseason. Ultimately, I do – oh, and Daniel Jones from the New York Giants too, but I don't want Daniel Jones in New Orleans either. Um, ultimately, I think the Saints have to draft one. Uh, and, uh, you know, listen, I know if they finish with a poor record in the top five, top seven – uh, I realize that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to get that first round draft choice, Golly. but you look, if you're going to look at a positive, that also gives you a high second round pick, right? That gives, that means you have still have a very tradable commodity. If for example, a quarterback slips to the low teens of the first round, you can swap a high, that high second round pick and a 2024 first and, or possibly a player. Camara, mm -hmm. Cam Georgia, somebody like that, uh, you to get your franchise quarterback. So this is still within striking distance, and I'm you know, I'm not even counting the potential Sean Payton you know, trade bonanza that that could bring New Orleans. Uh, that the, the I'm just talking tradable assets as of right, right. now in the building. Right. It's still possible to do, but again, you're mortgaging part of your future. You'd still have to find answers for defensive tackle, safety, and other positions if you choose to cut some salary weight. Still need wide receivers. Can't yeah. count on. Can't yeah. count on any of them except for Lave. Can't count on any of them. My goodness. Yeah, this possession is at position is outright pathetic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Really? I, 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 I love Rashid Shahid. He brings a lot of effort and a lot of athleticism to the no, table. Uh, but, yeah, he's not your number two or even no. your number three guy. No. Uh, you know, Jarvis Landry, I think it's time. And I, I realize Jarvis has been hurt, and I respect that. Uh, but I, I think it's time to start you know, putting Jarvis Landry in the same conversation with Tyron Matthew and some of these other free agent flops. Uh, yeah. you know, that, that the yeah. team has brought in over the last handful of seasons. Yeah. What about this Caden Ellis dude? Where, where the heck, where, where's he been? He's been unbelievable. Yeah, he has. Uh, and as much, uh, as much criticism as we all give the saints coaches and deservedly. So I do think that one of the positive things that the, the coaching staff, defensive coaching staff needs to be patted on the back for is the way that they have used Caden Ellis. Once Pete Warner went down 
If you watch the film, they're not using Caden nearly the same way they use Pete Warner. They're not using him the same way they used Demario Davis because that's not Caden's strong suit. Caden is a very physical, big downhill player, and they're just—it's like setting a wild dog on the neighborhood. They're just set, you know, taking the leash off and saying, "Caden, go get the ball." And he's yeah. running straight downhill uh, you know, with with ferocity that you you have to love, uh, especially yeah. if you love defensive football. Uh, you know, th- this guy uh, this guy is playing out of his mind right now, and I love to see it. He really is playing something. Uh, I, I, the future looks bright with he and Werner. Yes, uh, doing some things there, but man, they they just got to get they got to get a quarterback and they got to get skill position people. It, it there ain't no question about it. No ifs ands buts maybes about it. All right, we'll take a time out here. When we come back, it's time for Bob Rose's uh, top five um, in the NFL after this past weekend. We saw the the Eagles get another win. The Cowboys are coming on up. Um, Vikings still hanging around. And uh, so we'll get his top five and we'll talk more about the league. Uh, Watson's coming back. You go get, the, the NFL's amazing. Watson's coming back. Deshaun Watson playing for Cleveland. Guess who he plays against first? His old team in Houston. It's just mm-hmm. unbelievable. Bob Rose, St. Susan Network, after this timeout here on the Jordy Helpert Show. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we continue our conversation with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. It's the Black and Gold Report. Um, Bob got some really good team. I think the playoffs are going to be, even though the Saints are going to be out of it, I think the playoffs are going to be really, really intriguing. Um, There's some teams that I didn't expect to be quite this good that are, particularly like the, heck, the Miami Dolphins are eight and three, uh, two, and that wide receiver group, um, they're pretty darn good, don't you think? Yeah, I do. Uh, and, and I love speed. Uh, you know, this team will aggressively attack you down the field. Uh, you know, they're starting to put together a little bit of a running game uh, and they'll get after you defensively, too. They have a lot of speed on that side of the ball. Uh, you know, Miami, Miami is a fun team to watch. I won't root for them because of you know, some shenanigans by their front office in the last couple of years. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, if you take that aside, they, they are a fun team to watch on the football field. Um, the Ravens got beat. The Bengals have won three in a row. So Cincy and Joe Burrow and company, even without Jamar Chase, they seem they just seem to have the right mentality, the right mm-hmm. leadership, and they got the right quarterback. And that's what it's all about. Absolutely, especially in today's league. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they, they, they get after the quarterback. Uh, they're extremely aggressive on offense. Uh, you. You, you hate their offensive line, I'm sure, as much as Joe Burrow does. He won't say it, but I will for him. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, here here comes Cincinnati, uh, you know, Kansas City, Miami, Buffalo. You know, don't, don't sit on your laurels because Cincinnati has the talent to knock anybody off. No question. I think a coach that is underrated, doesn't get enough attention, but year in and year out, heck, they, they got a three-game lead in the AFC South. I think Mike Vrabel does a great job with Tennessee. I they're always in the hunt. Yeah, he really does. 
And, you know, we talked about Miami being a fun team to watch. <laughs> Tennessee is not a fun team no, to watch. No. Uh, but they, they stay strong to their fundamentals. Uh, they're, they're really powerful on both lines. Uh, you know, they will physically bully you all over the yard. That's their secret to winning. They don't beat themselves, uh, and they'll beat up on you. And, you know, yeah, I'm with you. I, you know, I, I would love to have a, uh, a Mike Frable uh, as a coach of my team. The best division in football has got to be the NFC East. Everybody's over 500. Eagles are 10 and 1. Cowboys 8 and 3. Giants are coming back down to earth a little yep. bit. They've lost two in a row, but look out for the Commanders. Three straight wins. Do they get three teams in the playoff from that division? I, I think they do. Uh, and I, do too. I, I, I don't think it'll be the Giants. Uh, you nope. know, I, I like the way Washington's roster is built. Uh, you know, and I like the run that they're making. Uh, yeah, and you know, if, if folks, if you paid attention to the Jordy Haltberg show, you know that we have been calling for the Giants to come back down to earth for the yep. last three yep. or four weeks. Uh, I, I, I love what Brian Dable has done. Uh, you know, I just think that they just don't have the horses talent wise to match up with the big boys yet. But you got, you know, if you're a Giants fan, you gotta love the direction this is going as bad as the Saints season has gone no one has fall more precipitously uh, from the mountaintop into the gutter than the LA Rams my gosh they're three and eight they've lost five in a row what the heck happened to them uh, yeah and they're yeah they're a shambles uh, you know, it, 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 I think we're seeing the penalty the uh, the uh uh, consequences of foregoing high draft picks for several years in a row uh, to go after big name older yeah. talent yeah. that they got their Super Bowl out of it. Uh, but eventually you're going to have to pay the piper. And, you know, when you have your biggest stars go down, you know, Stafford may not play because of concussion reasons for the rest right. of the year. Right. Uh, you know, Aaron Donald is banged up and might miss a few weeks. Uh, you know, they have no running game to speak of, uh, no receivers to throw to, and no offensive line to open up. Oh, yeah, they're, they're a mess right now. Doesn't the NFL kind of do what the NBA does? Don't they tank? I mean, some of these teams have got no hope. Tank. And I mean, get get the player you need that can elevate your club. I'd start tanking if I'm the Rams. I wouldn't play anybody. You know what? That would be awfully tempting to do, uh, not only for the Rams, but if you're several other teams. Bears, uh, shoot. Bears, yeah, yeah. Bears are, are another one. Saints. Uh, well, we don't yeah, have draft picks, right, so right. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. Uh, I, I I'm sure it's got to be awfully tempting, but. Yeah, in the NFL, unlike the NBA, and I know the NBA has had a few one-and-done coaches, uh, but yeah, in the NFL, uh, you know, success comes at a you know, it's so fleeting that I think that you have to have a special communication and relationship between coach, general manager, and ownership to say behind closed doors. Yeah, we all agree that we're going to tank this thing, uh, you know, just rebuild from the ground up, you know, whatever terminology you want to use. Uh, but they all have to be in agreement because you know, if you're not, a lot of heads roll, uh, you know, yeah. even if you have just one bad season. Right, so we've gone over synopsis. It's time now for Bob Rose's Fearless Five, uh, his five best teams after this week 12 of, of football. So um, let's start at number five and we'll work our way up to the top and see if there's been been any changes in the hierarchy so 
at number five, who you got? Uh, a little bit of shuffling in, in my fearless five. I do like that. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go number five, Dallas Cowboys. Uh, yeah, they've been quietly lurking in the weeds all year long. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if they have a lot of offensive talent to make a run at this thing, but man, that defense will sure cause chaos. Uh, yeah, I have them narrowly over the Vikings. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, yeah. only because they just thumped the Vikings a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but yeah, Dallas, is a, it breaks my top five, I believe, for the first time this year. All right. At number four, it gets tough here. Let's see who you got. It, it does get tough. Miami Dolphins. Okay. Uh, and we we just you and I just outlined why a couple minutes ago they have a fast defense, and extremely aggressive, uh, you know, and an ultra aggressive mentality on offense where they'll just attack you down the field. And most teams do not have the speed to match up. Uh, you know, I think Tua is developing into the quarterback. A lot of us thought he'd be coming out of Alabama. And you know, it, now, now that looks to be the case. Miami's a tough out. Uh, right now, that looks like they're playing better than the Bills. They own the tiebreaker mm-hmm. against a Buffalo. They're both mm-hmm. eight and three. Maybe that Week 15 showdown could end up deciding the division. So Miami at number four, at number three, San Francisco 49ers. Wow. Okay. And we're going to find out a lot about both San Francisco and Miami this week. Uh, because they play each other, and the 49ers have some tough games down the stretch. But I think right now this team is playing as good as anybody in the entire National Football League. Saints fans, you saw how good they are defensively. Uh, New Orleans played an outstanding game on defense to limit San Francisco's weaponry on offense. But Mm -hmm. the 49ers have it. They could beat you with Kiddo, Debo, Ayuk, McCaffrey uh, in a physical offensive line. you know, it's not a 49ers team that wants to get in shootouts, but the, if they have to, they have the tools to get in them. I've never seen a team that um, shuts opponents out in the second half. Whatever, uh, whatever they do in that locker room, whoever's making those adjustments, my goodness, it, it is amazing. No, there's no question. San Francisco has everything it needs to at least be in the big game. Now, whether they can win the whole thing, right. you, you got to be in it to win it, but I think right. they can be in it. All right, that's number three. Number two, sir. Man, it was tough uh, deciding which of my top two were going to be one and two, but I'm going to go two with the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. Uh, yeah, Eagles look like to me that they were slipping there for a couple of weeks, uh, but they really regained their mojo. I mean, you run for over 300 yards against any NFL defense. That is an impressive feat. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts is a legitimate MVP candidate. I don't think he wins it, uh, but yeah, I, I just love his improvement as a passer. I love it. They, they can beat you so many ways on offense. Everybody talks about their running game. They got weapons in the passing attack, they too. Do. Uh, you know, defensively, they're a little banged up. If you're an Eagles fan, you have to be concerned about that down the stretch. Uh, but right now, they're still playing some pretty physical football. Yeah, I, I just love this Philadelphia Eagles team. They got the best record. Uh, they've got that cold-weather-friendly offense, man, they, that can yeah. just wear you out. And the defense, like you said, opportunistic. They lead the league in takeaways with 23. Oh, put it on circle Christmas Eve, the rematch with Dallas, who will, mm-hmm. in all theory, hopefully, will have Dak, Dak Prescott in this one. But the Eagles have already beaten the best in the East, uh, the best in the NFC, the Vikings and the Cowboys. So, all right, they're number two, which leaves only one team at number one. And that's the reason. Be. 
Yeah, the reason why Jalen Hurts won't win the MVP is that guy in Kansas City, that magician yeah. named Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, he just continues to play at such an elite level. Uh, you know, Travis Kelsey from, and I'm a Shannon Sharp guy through and through, but Travis Kelsey, Kelsey, I think is oh, the, best the best tight end ever. To ever play. Yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, Andy Reid offenses will always I, I know the concern offseason concern about Tyreek Hill being shipped away. But there's if there's one thing about Andy Reid offenses, he'll find receivers for his quarterbacks to throw to. Uh, and they've done exactly that. And I'll tell you what, Jordy, Chiefs are playing better defensively than mm -hmm. I have seen at all in the last three or four years. Uh, you know, and that that could be dangerous for some, uh, you know, some AFC opponents in the playoffs. Uh, Mahomes has thrown for over 300 yards in six straight games. That's uh, that's pretty, pretty impressive. Bob Rose of the Saints News Network, um, the Black and Gold Report. Um, he's back to Sean Watson um, with, with nearly all of the more than two dozen lawsuits filed being settled. Can you imagine the protesters when he shows up at uh, Sunday's game at Houston's NRG Stadium? Uh, where the Browns will take on the Texans and watch him play in his return from an 11-game suspension? Can you imagine? And I hope, I hope the authorities let the protesters have their have their say. Uh -huh. I'm not promoting violence in any way, shape, or form. Right. Uh, yeah, but I hope these you know, these people verbally come after Watson, and I hope he hears every word of it, and I hope it negatively affects his play. It, I hope it costs him sleep at night. Uh, you know, I, I realize I'm not judge, jury, and executioner here, right. but I have heard and read and seen enough to realize that I, I, I don't want this man in the National Football League that I cover. Unfortunately, that's not an option, so I will instead root against him. Uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson um, has a lacerated kidney, um, according to uh, sources uh, from the NFL League office, injured late in the first quarter of the Eagles' Sunday night game against the Packers, um, where he collided with wide receiver Christian Watson. Um, man, I hate to see that. He's he's such a good player. God, he's a good player. I, I, I want to see the best players play on the best teams uh, as they go get ready for the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I do too. Uh, and yeah, uh, Gardner Johnson, he might have he, he did. Uh, talk his way out of New Orleans, and yeah, that was a that was sad yeah. Yeah. and frustrating to see. Uh, but you're right on the field; he's an excellent player. Uh, you know, he's a, an igniter for the defense, uh, and I think we've seen the difference in both defenses for Philadelphia and New Orleans without him. Uh, and I, I don't root for injury on any person, uh, but especially a potential life-threatening injury like a lacerated kidney. I'm hearing it's very similar to what Marshawn Lattimore has dealt with. Uh, you know, and Lattimore has missed, what, seven games now, I do believe. Uh, you know, so I... I know Philadelphia media <laughs> is saying that you know, Gardner Johnson could be back in three to four Excuse weeks. Me. Uh, I, I hope he is for the same reason that you just mentioned. You want to see the most talented players in the playoff stage, uh, but it, it, it's tough to it, it's tough yeah. to see because of the severity of the injury. You still think Odell Beckham Jr. ends up in Dallas? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, uh -huh. Dallas is in the thick of a playoff hunt. Sure uh, yeah, they really, really have the number one seed. Uh, yeah, they're on the outside looking in for that race. Uh, but yeah, they, with with some more wins and some outside help, they could very easily host all the way through. Uh, and again, Odell Beckham, 
Uh, yeah, he's a self-promoter. We know that about him. And, you know, you have that star on the side of your helmet. There's no more prestigious, prestigious symbol in our NFL than being a Dallas Cowboys star. Had some issues in a Miami airplane and um, in and out of consciousness and buckle your seatbelt, unbuckle it. And everybody had to get off. So they forced him off. Man, it just. And that's kind of slid under the carpet. Nobody's talking about that anymore. But, oh, man, I hope the kid's OK. Uh, I, yeah, I do, too. I'll tell you what I heard about it, is that he just he napped before flight. Uh, and, and when he did and I, I, I will often do that, too, on a plane. But I, when I do, I buckle my seatbelt beforehand. Right. Uh, and I, I heard that he didn't. And, you know, the fl- I heard that actually the flight attendant was the aggressor. I'm sure we'll hear more about this story. Yeah. Uh, maybe she maybe she's an Alabama fan or an LSU. <laughs> leader. I don't know. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I don't think it'll affect where he goes. Excuse me. Um, Saints, Bucks, Monday night, Tampa, um, the big sombrero, as it's called, whatever. Um, I, I don't see the Saints winning on Monday night. Do you? And who's going to be quarterbacking? Give me give me a prediction. Uh, Andy Dalton's going to be the quarterback, uh, but he's going to. This is my this is my uh, outreach prediction. He's going to get nicked up. Jameis Winston is going to come in oh, and goodness. perform some second half heroics. Yeah, oh, stir goodness. the pot, throw some gasoline on that fire. Uh, the Saints always play deep, well, very, very well defensively against Tom Brady. I don't think that changes. Tristan Wirfs is out for the Buccaneers. Antoine Winfield will probably be out. I'm actually taking the New Orleans Saints in a 24 to 17 upset. He is Bob Rose, the eternal optimist of the Saints News Network. I love it, Bob. Thank you so much, Bob. We'll, we'll talk Tuesday, and I, I will be more than happy to sing your praises if you are correct. Well, thank you, my friend. Have a great week. It was always great talking to you. Bob Rose, here we go. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holtberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, as we wrap things up on this Tuesday, November 29th, special thanks to our guest, Matthew Bruni of um, BengalTigerOn3.com. All his thoughts on LSU and Georgia. Uh, Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football on all things college football, and Bob Rose of the Saints News Network as we talked about the Saints and all around the uh, NFL. Kansas City number one, Philadelphia number two. So I can't argue with that in any way, shape, or form. They're both really, really good. Um, Super Bowl bound at this point in time, but upsets are always possible um if today is your birthday november 29th happy birthday from all of us to all of you big disappointment in the nfl but russell wilson got his paycheck he's 34 years old today former kentucky wildcat at one time a new orleans hornet jamal mashburn is 50 years old tonight and um the greatest reliever in baseball history uh, mariano rivera the new york yankee is 53 years young today uh tomorrow we will um hump day with huguenin as always and we'll talk about all these college bowl games um willie fritz of tulane 
has told the administration, told his team, uh, written it out that he is going to stay at Tulane and not become the head coach at Georgia Tech. He's going to stay as the coach of, of the Greenies. So all those assistant coaches and grad assistants and uh, all those guys, whew, breathe a sigh of relief. It'll be Tulane versus Central Florida at Ullman Stadium Saturday for the AAC Championship. James, thank you for all you do. Thanks to all of you for listening in. Thanks to our partners that make it possible. Until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helpberg. Stay healthy, stay thirsty, be kind, be happy. Bye-bye.